0: All right, uh, welcome everyone listening to this podcast. It's been a while, but again, remember uh, the dojo is is really geared around the people that are training here, and if we open and share material, it's just for um, people that are out there that might have questions uh, in their own practice, okay? Um, if you really want to understand what is being said here, you should come here. You're more than welcome to come here. Um, But all of the information is not imparted like a regular basis, uh, like it's some sort of uh, outlet there whose purpose is to to serve the people that do not train here. So we don't have a regular uh, weekly or monthly podcasts that's that's not how our podcast works so our podcast is geared towards the people that train here and if i was outside the dojo i would just pay attention to all the available sources of information so sometimes it's a podcast because that's the best medium for what we're talking about or discussing uh but sometimes it's video or sometimes it's the blog or sometimes it's the website or sometimes it's Facebook and you're best served is you just follow the information f- around those sources rather than expecting oh I'm going to wait for my weekly video or my nightly video or you know another blog entry you you you're you're best served non-Dojo member by just following all of those kind of things and you'll get the message uh, that way. So we're just letting the medium dictate the best course and that's how you should use it. Toward that end, uh, please consider um, donating something through Patreon. Um, That sense of entitlement that you're going to take advantage of all this information is way more corrupting in your uh, soul than you might imagine. Uh, So this idea that you are worthy of this information and it should come to you for free is uh, a lot more polluting than you may think. Um, Just going through a kind of ritual act of a dollar a month or five dollars a month is a much better working uh, contrary to the first world's uh, diseased body mind of entitlement, and that you have everything coming to you, uh, you want to create distance from that kind of culture, and that is one easy way of doing it. Obviously, a dollar a month or five dollars a month—come on, it's a joke—but uh, it's a ritual act that can uh, still work on your subconscious mind or your shadow, if you want it in Jungian terms. Okay, so please consider that. Um, For most of the information dissemination up till this point, I've really been focusing on the martial aspect of the art and the position that is held here at this dojo. Uh, But we're starting to make a turn as the deshi in this dojo kind of have a handle on the martial problem and the martial aspects and how they fit into the training. And we're starting to shift over into the spiritual aspects. So you're seeing a lot more post, uh, a lot more information being disseminated that deal with the spirituality of Aikido. Uh, So for example, we had the blog, the latest blog entry, titled Hippie Jesus. Uh, It is a must-read Uh, to understand, and then many of the several posts that were uh, recently posted on Facebook, you want to get a handle on those and begin that long process of understanding what is being said. I wouldn't suggest that you're going to get an understanding by reading three or four sentences strung together on a Facebook post. Um, Instead, you just treat it like one big long uh, research project so to speak and you follow the information from whatever source is being delivered and you know just keep immersing yourself in it that's the way to do it and that that is the same uh, message i give to the deshi here uh you're not going to get it in one class or one talk you got to hang out you got to get yourself uh you know uh, you're going to jump in the pool so to speak you got to get wet so get all wet all the way Uh, Don't worry about your hairstyle or something. Put your head under the water, okay? So hippie Jesus is a must. Uh, Aikido has radically, just to get the the general context uh, that we use to understand the art martially, Aikido as it is currently practiced. So sometimes I refer to that as modern Aikido or contemporary Aikido. Now, of course, uh, Aikido by by definition, is a modern art. The founder did live in the modern era. Um, However, he lived in a pre-modern way. So that is why I use that distinction, modern Aikido. But probably a more accurate one is contemporary Aikido. And by that phrase, what I mean is Aikido as it is generally um, understood. So what are most people doing? How are most people understanding the art? How do, they, how do most people identify the art and distinguish it from what is not Aikido? That is what I mean by contemporary Aikido. Obviously, I am doing an Aikido that is contemporary with everyone else's Aikido, but that is not what I mean. So just like the founder was alive in the modern era, however, he lived a pre-modern lifestyle, uh, I am doing Aikido contemporary with other people's Aikido, but I am not doing contemporary Aikido. So, contemporary Aikido, martially, is quite different from what the founder was doing um, in many, many ways. And just to sum it up, it became uh, quite specialized. And in its specialization, it became quite reduced uh, in what it can and cannot do, but also in how it is understood. Uh, in terms of what makes up or what constitutes Aikido. So, for example, you, you have plenty of schools out there that uh, will say, like, there's no attack in Aikido, there's no punch first in Aikido, there's no strikes in Aikido, there's no weapons in Aikido, there's no injury in Aikido, you know, these these kind of things. And outright, you'll have some schools that will say, uh, Aikido's not about self-defense or anything like that. Um, and... How Well, what is it doing? Well, it's not doing those things, do you see? And that is quite a departure from the Founders. Uh, if you look at his life and his training, uh, there was a martial component to it. And same with those people that trained with him early and that sought him out early, early on. Did the Founder ultimately end up in a different place from the position of some martialist Aikido Aikidoka today like Aikido is only about self defense yet yeah, true the found that's not the founder's position okay but is it in there yes it is in there it is in there okay and yet we have some people that will say it's not in there and in that same camp you have some people that will say it is in there the martial aspect however they're doing a kind of aikido that is in no way capable of being martially viable, okay, so I put them in the same camp um, and part of that is this specialization that has occurred that specialization allowed something that in essence is not viable outside of the dojo, like I have in other posts uh, made it akin to. Uh, you have a wolf that can pretty much survive, you know, in a lot of different environments, uh, versus like a Chihuahua. It's a highly specialized uh, dog, so canine, do you see. And as a result, it has very, very few environments where it can thrive. It it will be killed by its environment. Okay. Well, spiritually, the same thing has happened as well. Okay. The Aikido has moved. Spiritually away from the founder's uh, spirituality and become very, very specialized in the same way that it's not really viable outside of the dojo. And in this process of specialization or in the process of reducing the art's adaptability or its survivability in multiple environments, things have filled... The absence of the old things, just like the Chihuahua has taken the place of the wolf. Okay. Chihuahua is a very popular breed now, right? They're everywhere. They fit in with our modern lifestyle. We have uh, smaller homes, right? Uh, we don't want the trouble. We don't want the hassle of the big dog. Uh, the the deep um, evolutionary. Fear of canines, especially ones that look wolf-like. Like, Like we don't want to reconcile those kind of deep fears. So, please, uh, something more similar to a squirrel or a mouse. I can handle that canine, do you see? For all kinds of reasons, the dog is filling up space, okay? So, likewise, uh, Aikido's pseudo-spirituality has this kind of, um, um, like, we can live with it. You see, it's something that is livable uh, versus the founder's spirituality. It's like you, you can't live modern lifestyle and practice the founder's spirituality. You, it, it was meant to disrupt your, um, your worldly existence as all true spirituality is meant to do. Okay? But modern Aikido... Uh, spirituality is meant to just leave you as you are so you can keep living how you're doing it, do you see? Uh, likewise, it's martial, it's martiality, same thing. So the, that camp of people that believe Aikido is martial, but they're doing something that is not martially viable outside of the dojo, it is a martiality that they can live without having to radically change who and what they are and how they experience the world, right? So you don't have to uh, get strong and you don't have to get flexible and you don't have to suffer pain, uh, you know, these kind of things. You don't have to be mobile. Um, You can just theorize and talk your way there which you you live like that anyways, do you see? You can exist in theory, you can exist in books, and you can count that as reality. So when you come to your martial Aikido class, we're going to talk about it, do you see? We're not going to beat the shit out of each other and learn how to survive uh, 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 having the shit kicked out of us. Do you see that? And that makes it livable. You can stay how you are. Uh, There's no transformation so both things happen to Aikido on both sides of the spectrum. The martial side and the spiritual side. This is what Chiba Sensei would call a kind of self-indulgence ha- is, has taken over the art. So meaning that the art, rather than being transformative it the, uh, to the person, right, the art became transformed to meet the person. Okay? And that's why we have that sign over the dojo. Every time you walk through, you walk under a sign that says, you are here to be changed. not the, You are not here to change the dojo. Okay. So uh, spiritually, what came in is really New Age spirituality. Okay. So for those who don't know, but you know, um, this is what I did my doctoral studies in, was in the history of religious culture. Okay. So some, you know, if you look at me, I I do offer kind of a weird perspective. It's kind of uh, interesting, but it was by my design, okay? So you have a teacher who um, understands Japanese history, but also understands uh, religious culture and history. Uh, That's what they studied in school uh, at the doctoral level. Uh, You have a cop who uses violence for real, Uh, under resisting subjects. Um, You have somebody that attended uh, Olympic training camps in multiple sports, and it's just all in one place. Okay, well, that guy had to live somewhere, and he lives in Goleta, and you just by coincidence happen to uh, live by him. Okay, so you take advantage of it. Okay, So I do know the history uh, quite well of how the United States got to where it's at, and exactly how the Western world, because the United States has come to influence the Western world, and by extension, is influencing the entire world, okay? So the other day, you know, uh, there's a popular video going around on social media. You have some Chinese women, and they're all dancing funk to uh, James Brown. Have you ever seen this video? And it's badass. I mean, there's some fantastic um, uh, funk dancing, Right, but it's like oh, that, that is the now invisible imperialism of the United States of America, right? Because they're not doing their own Chinese dances anymore. They don't they don't feel uh, they could be appreciated that way. They don't feel the same worthy respect. Uh, equal to uh, dancing funk to James Round. you see why? Because the United States is the cultural marker of culture in general and is becoming more and more so um, ac- across the globe. This is a process that already happened in the United States. So, for example, uh, people, again, I'm 56 years old, so in, in my lifetime alone, uh, there was regions to the United States and there were dialects and accents in the United States, and those are all but gone. Okay, why? Uh, because, as Gavin Newsom said, "As California goes, the country goes." And it's the, so everyone speaks like they're from California. Just how I said the word "like," everyone says "like" now. But there was a time when I used to travel uh, with my sports. You go around, you compete around the country, and I could not not get harassed for saying the word "like" all the time. So. Uh, But now everyone in the United States speaks like they're from California, right? And if we hear somebody with an accent or some kind, uh, like somebody from the South who still has some sort of uh, draw to their English, uh, it's held down as not as intelligent, Do you see, more and not as cultured, okay? And likewise, you're doing your traditional um, dance, it's like, yeah, you're much cooler if you're dancing to James Brown. okay? Well, religion kind of followed uh, a, a, a same suit, and likewise, so um, the religion, the spirituality that moved away from the founder uh, is really, really related to the West and this larger sense of what is imperialism, where a particular culture's Discourse and practice is held above another one. This is the ultimate form of imperialism. Do you, do you understand that like I'm not forcing my culture on you. You actually want to do my culture. This is th- that's what happened at a regional level all across the country. Do you see that. Uh, it's not that California went out and said, you're all going to think and, and behave like us in California. It's that all of these people out there, they wanted to behave and appear as if they're from California. And now you start to lose the regionalism of the United States. And we have these effing uh, um, shopping centers. They're like everywhere. They're, they're all the same. You know what I mean? There's a Costco, there's a there's a Lowe's, there's a Home Depot, there's a Staples. Like, just find it in your in your city, and it's there. And the cuisine is the same everywhere, right? There's an In and Out everywhere. Just take In and Out. In and Out was a Southern California thing, and you had now it's everywhere. Go go up and down the state, you can have In and Out anywhere. You don't have to drive to it, right? Look at the Habit. So the Habit started in Goleta, right? Um, and, and now it's everywhere. And what's happening to the habit now? The menu is expand, expand expanding, right? So it used to be, hey, you want a charburger with cheese, or you are, or not, or a double char, and that's that's all. That's what we make here. And that, Now you get like crispy chicken sandwich. Why? Because everybody has to have a crispy chicken sandwich. Do you see? And it, it goes. In, and there's no more habit to it anymore. It just becomes another freaking. Carl's Jr., another McDonald's, another burger place is what it is, where they do serve a hell of a lot of stuff that's not a burger, but we call them burger places still. Okay. So as you moved away from the founder spirituality, as they did that in Japan, as Japan for a long time was like, no, we need to, we need to modernize, by which they meant westernize. It shot into the vein of Americanism and took away things that America had already taken away for a long time or was in the process for a long time of already taking away. And you started to get a religiosity that really opened the door to stop being a religiosity and came to be known as spirituality. This is a holdout from a long, long process in the West to separate religion from lifestyle. And as a holdout, it's like, well, I'm not really religious, but I'm spiritual. Do You see, you can now be spiritual without being religious. And most of the Aikidoka today and contemporary Aikido, they're like, that's, Yeah. That makes perfect sense to them. But that's not the founder's practice. Like, well, wait, wait, why do you... You can't... You, if, if you feel that you have to take an aspect of your history and your culture out because you're threatened by it, because you're against it, then please don't tell me you're spiritual. You obviously have hangups. You obviously still abide dichotomously. You obviously still have a will to power. You obviously are still functioning through an unconscious ego tripartite. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a problem with it. So they took out the shrine. They redesigned what a kamidana is. It's more like an alcove. You have you an have alcove in houses, you see. They change the bowing in ritual and things like that. Just giving you examples, you see. It's, it's moving away from the founders. That's, that's not a, like take our, our kamidana. It's pretty small. It's really just an abstract representation of the shrine. The founders, <laughs> it's a shrine. It's huge. You see? Basically, uh, from a Western point of view, he did Aikido in church. Like, if we, we here in Santa Barbara, we have the mission, right? And just imagine we, we would set up mats in the mission in our Judeo-Christian history. That, that was what it was like. You move all that stuff and you have this kind of secular alcove taking place. Your, your bowing ritual take is out, do you see? And you kind of take... Uh, this abstract sense of nature. We don't talk about God anymore like the founder did. We talk about nature. Now, of course, you can't just change radically. You can't, you can't automatically go, no, all that's gone. That's not how culture moves. So there was a cultural history to the importance of nature, but nature was not contrasted with God. Do you see that? So for example, if in Taoism, which is Chinese in origin, predates China, influenced the founder's religiosity, you had a sense of nature. But there wasn't a contrast between nature, heaven, and God. It wasn't the nature of the modern environmental movement. It's not the nature of scientism. So these movements away, uh, and you, you have this thing that is spiritual but not religious functions through a either said or unsaid contrast between those things that we came to identify with religion, which we aren't anymore, such as God, such as heaven. We're quite different now from the founder's religiosity. And as that movement evolved and spread culturally in the United States and as Aikido spread to the West you eventually land on, on what scholars called the New Age, New Age religion. Now again, a, a, a Aikidoka that says, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, they would have a problem if you said this, this is New Age religion because they heard the R word. You see? But from a, a scholastic point of view, this is, this is what scholars of religion call it. It's New Age religion. And New Age religion is a kind of holdout for pre-modern religiosity. It's like we can't let go of it entirely. I understand. You know, I'm not. I'm not 100% in the scientific camp. I don't believe 100%. I am only a material thing, akin to a robot. Do you see? So it's a kind of holdout. But they can't. They can't do the other thing anymore. But it has senses of that same scientific worldview as much as possible. That's what validates it for them. So there's senses of materialism. There's senses of you are like a machine. And it will seek to validate itself through scientific uses of either scientific fields like psychology or through scientific fields like biology or physics. It's trying to be, so to speak, scientism but dressed in what we should call this religious discourse. And scientism is a kind of religion in that it's a belief system, it's a worldview around which you, you center your experience of the world, do you see? New Age religion just does it and will borrow some words from pre-modern religiosity. Got got the initial context of what's happening, okay? So, just like you want to investigate more, what part of my art is martial, and why is it martial? That kind of question begins a critical process that leads to an understanding Both of what is martial, why it is martial, right? But also what in your art is meeting that what is martial and why is that martial? The martial ignorance in Aikido is supported by a position, for example, that kihon waza are self-defense techniques. Or they can be used in self-defense techniques, do you see? And if you start to go, well, what in Kihonwaza, which part of it is martial? The whole thing is like a plug-and-play thing. A guy grabs your wrist, right, katata dori, and then you eat his ass. Do you, do you understand? Again, from a Marshall point of view, it's a practical thing. So you go, wait, let me get this straight. You're telling me I should train in a system where when a guy holds my wrist, I should crack his head open on the concrete, and I won't go to jail, and uh, nothing's going to happen from it. In fact, I'm going to be the good guy in this. You're going to go, no. You know what? I didn't even think about that. Well, then, please, this is not Marshall, because Marshall has real world consequences once you put it in the real world. You have a at most a misdemeanor battery level and then you did either, depending on what it is, felony level battery up to attempted murder. This can't be realistic. So, well, well, what do they'll say? They'll say this. They'll say, well, well, actually, Irimi Naga is non-injurious. <laughs> you see? And so, therefore, you won't be arrested by the police. And you go, well, let's try that out then. Because you're critical, you see? You're in a, a critique mindset. You don't accept it at face value. Aikido is non-injurious. Therefore, you can do all the techniques without... It. Well, let's try it. Let's get, let's get, uh, let let me throw you. Let me throw you out on the street. And let's just see what happens with you. You have 10 years of ukemi training. All right, now let's take a uke with five years. Now let's take a uke with one year. and It's not going to be the same level of non-injury. Do you see that? So clearly ukemi is relevant to it. And now let's take a brand new person who doesn't know anything about falling. And they're going to get injured. And now you realize, oh, that's why we train in ukemi. It's not that the art is not injurious. It's that the ukemi, the uke, the skill of the uke, which happens, is a cultivated process that happens over time, is what reduces injury. Not the attacker. Now, if you want to be accurate, you could go, if you are wrist, if your wrist is grabbed by somebody who has 10 years of aikido training in an assaultive manner so my attacker happens to be a 10 year trained aikidoka that takes ukemi like your school does the nagawaza then okay maybe they'll la- they'll survive it do you see as long as we're on grass or sand or snow and not on the street how you know, well, that doesn't sound very non injurious Sounds very specialized, like that chihuahua that one guy in Galita is talking about. Do you get it? So, this critical mindset begins by asking, How is that martial? Same thing, how is that spiritual? So, you say, for example, How, how, I, I raise this question, you, an aikidoka should ask, How is my art spiritual? What do people always say? Well, it's spiritual because it centers me that that's not the answer what is what does that mean you you need to keep asking it what does centered mean what does it mean they might say well you your mind is stable and now you start to see the scientism. Because that's psychological wellness, right? Because what's the opposite of a stable mind is a stable mind is an unstable mind. That's psychological unwellness. Do you see that? So, are you trying to say that psychological wellness is spiritual? Do you see? They gain the validity of the scientific field of psychology. But you got to keep asking why, because they might go, yeah, okay. Psychological wellness is spiritual. Okay. How does my art generate that psychological wellness that you're calling centeredness? Do Do you understand? You do these techniques. What is it in these techniques that brings me psychological wellness? You get it? Why does not my unwellness, let's say, come have me do techniques in a psychologically unwell way? In other words, what is the nature of the mind in psychology. That it does not determine my reality or my experience of the world. But instead, instead in this soteriology, allows the world to influence my mind. No, I'll put it, that you look, you're giving me confused faces. So the, the, un, the unsaid understanding here is that I'm psychologically unwell, so I come to Aikido, and I do these moves, and my mind will be influenced by doing these moves. That's one understanding of the mind. It begs the question of another understanding of the mind. Why is it not the case that my unwell mind comes to do these moves in an unwell mind way? Is that not what we see everywhere? The mind is what generates the experience we have of the world. So I can't use the world to change the mind. But in scientific psychology, you can But in pre-modern religiosity, they knew that. You can't. So for example, let's do some obvious example stuff, okay? We know what the moves are supposed to move like. The moves are a reconciliation of yin and yang. If we take one unreconciled example of unreconciled yin and yang, we'll take the yang versus yang clash. The yang-yang clash is not a reconciliation of yin and yang. Do you see that? If you look at contemporary Aikido, all you see is yang-yang clashes. Even in the most hippie art entirely, you see people seeking mechanical leverage-based advantage so that they can overpower someone else. Where you don't see it, you see the uke choreographed to take on an underpowered role. But even in that sense, you still have a power contest happening. So, in other words, you're going to have those three examples of Yang Yang clash, and they're ubiquitous everywhere. So I posted this. So you have Shomenuchi, uh, where you ca- contact the Uke's arm on the way down. That that is just ubiquitous. That is everywhere. Or Yoko Minucci and you do your outward block. Again, ubiquitous. That is everywhere. No one says the emperor is naked. That is a Yang yang clash. You don't know what you're doing. I'm fucking out of here. Or the other one, the other one I listed, is, and we don't do it here, so you'd have to look it up on a video. Just like we don't do any of those things, so you might not be familiar with these things. That the other one is uh, kaiten nage emote. They put people in a three-point stance, which is a stable stance, which football uses, for example. The linemen, do you see? The, line, the offensive line uses that three-point stance to not let other 300-pound men burst through them. Do you get it? So they put uke in a three-point stance, two feet and a hand. And then they're just going to push him over with uh, whatever, some variation of irimi So either they do sugi forward or yumi which is even worse because there's less room. And they all work because the uke artificially... Reconciles the yang yang clash by adopting an entirely yang a yin energy. Do you understand? So in other words, my yang yang clash is just power versus power. Power versus power is fear derived. The mind that is fear-derived, we cannot call that a psychologically well-mind. That is the unwell mind. That is, if you want to use the scientific terms, that is an anxious mind. That is a person abiding in anxiety. And like all unwell minds that are abiding in anxiety, if they could just get power over what is bringing them the anxiety, the world would be a better place. That's how they experience the world. Unlike pre-modern religiosity, which would say the nature of your mind that you have right now is generating an experience of the world that appears threatening to you. Your anxiety is indicative of a delusion. And you believe the mind, meaning your mind is influencing and determining your experience of the world, which means your mind determines the world. It doesn't go the other way. But in contemporary Aikido, in new age spirituality it goes the other way because it's scientific, because it goes the other way in psychology. And that's why you have culturally, you have safe spaces now, do you see? Because that anxiety, that let's say the college student hears something challenging from their professor, now can claims? I need safe space. You can't say that thing because the anxiety is held to be materially true. We no longer culturally accept your anxiety is your responsibility because it is your generation. You gave it Genesis. Change your mind. We instead change the world. So that's what this choreographed uke does. The choreographed uke changes and goes into yin. And now you have yang overpowering yin. There is entirely an obvious unwellness here. So if centering was wellness, this is not it. That's why it's a pseudo-spirituality. It has the garb of spirituality, that it seeks to validate through a scientism, which is not science. It's the religion of science. By adopting the discourse, the words, and the terms of science. But all it is is neurosis. But if you start asking why, 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 how, 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 keep going deeper, how, 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 just like if you did that for a martial thing, as you would realize martially, your kihon are not self-defense techniques. For self-defense, you're going to have to learn a lot more than just your kihon. And you're going to have to figure out what part in the kihon is martial. You're now miles away from Plug-and-play self-defense with kihon waza. Do you see? Same thing with spirituality. If you keep asking why, how, instead of just buying into the cultural inertia of American discursive imperialism, you can maintain a valid spirituality, but it's not this New Age crap. And you could play this game in your critical thinking. You can afford the person their assumption. So you say, look, the techniques do, do make you centered. You can see that they don't. There's the the meaning, for example, before I go on, meaning a more sophisticated psychology of the mind would hold that the mind influences the experience of the world and not the other way around, which pre-modern religion understood fully. But if you allow the assumption that the world does, does influence the mind, you see that? And you ignore the fact that we see every day We see every day. It is is as we say. The anxious person has a functioning will to power and all they do is yang-yang clashes all over the place. They cannot do the art. Which makes, for example, in contemporary Aikido, those three aforementioned yang-yang clashes ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And that's not the only ones. It's constant. For example, if you go deeper... It is precisely why contemporary Aikido has no internal aspects to their art. Because you cannot do the internal aspects of the art without becoming permeable. And you cannot become permeable from a state of anxiety. And you cannot help but to be in a state of anxiety as long as you experience the world through the delusion of the ego tripartite. It's impossible. So true non-contestation, true reconciliation of yin and yang requires skill at the internal aspects. Which is why, vice versa, by extension, you don't see the internal aspects in contemporary Aikido. They can only do external things. And with their external things, all they do is seek either a mechanical leverage advantage by which they overpower someone or they choreograph that someone to reduce the resistance, the mechanical resistance. That's all you see. and you know, of course it's all supported because that's how religion works do you see it's all supported in the larger cultural scheme so you have people with title you have people with rank and uh, apparently they do these internal skills no they don't no they don't they don't you're lying what do they do the yong clashes mechanical advantage and that's why as they get older they just they're terrible If you have the critical mind, you're going to go, yeah. The title and the rank and the unconscious Orientalism, do you see, which is part of American imperialism. So for the, uh, Orientalism is the, 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 uh, the West made an exotic other out of what we used to call the Oriental. Is still alive in contemporary Aikido. The, the male Japanese Shihan, Seventh Dawn, gets ipso facto automatic 50 more points in credibility. But if you come to the situation critically and you realize the title is irrelevant, The rank is irrelevant. The ethnicity is irrelevant. The geographical location is irrelevant. You just see people yong-yonging. That's it. That's why this critical process is important. So to continue your critical process, you can keep asking why, why, how, how. And then this other thing you can do is, I will afford you. I will afford you that. I will afford you the position that the world will influence the mind as opposed to the other way around. Okay? So you do these techniques, and they're going to change the person. What is it in these techniques that is doing it? What you're going to see is what scholars would call magic. Scholars of religion call it magic. It is a, a, um, a theory of contagion. So the techniques do you see work around uh, an axis point, ge- geometrically or architecturally, the techniques generate a spiral or a circular movement. So there is an axis, there is an axle, do you see? An axis point to the technique. And so because you keep doing those architectural patterns, you become centered because the technique has a center. Do you see that? How does that happen? Well, the center of the technique generates the center of you. That's magic thought. The technique has some sort of contagious power in it that makes you centered because the technique requires a centering. That's magic. And therein is the irony of pseudo-spirituality because remember how they got here. They were anti-religious and they were scientistic. And in their anti-religious and in their scientism, they had put away all the superstitious bullshit of the founder. And yet here they are, wizards and warlocks. Do you see? Witches, Wiccans, they're just magicians practicing magic. This is the part where somebody that was truly critical would, in the same way that you go, uh, you were martially you were critiquing the art and somebody told you that you, can thro- that you can and should throw people that grab your wrist and don't worry about it, you're not going to injure them and you're not going to get arrested for attempted murder. You, you should go bullshit. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm going to go train with that cop that's going to arrest you next time you do that. And now I know why he's smiling as he's hooking you up for a felony. Let me go train with someone who understands the law and understands violence a little bit more realistically than your deluded ass. Okay, likewise, you get to the magic talk That's where you go, yeah, I'm out. You guys are weirdos. But you can go on with this. Okay, I'll grant you the magic. Again, what I'm trying to do is impart how, if you want to understand, you need the critical mind. It is part of you understanding what you're doing. I'll afford you the magic. I'll afford you that there's some contagion power. I don't see it. I don't know it. I won't even ask you how many reps does it take. You know what I mean? Because if you're a materialist, you would, you would go on and go, wait a minute. Okay. There's got to be some mechanical property here. How many, how much exposure to the contagion do I require for it to actually affect me? You know, you can start thinking like, like germ things, like you know what I mean? Do you see? And like, <laughs> has anyone ever done that? Has any of these pseudo-spiritualists ever done that? You you get things like those ten thousand reps. Do you see? So you you know you have this performance science today that talks about ten thousand reps, right? But if you trace that back historically, The number 10,000 in the discourse of mastery stood for infinity, not a literal 10,000 reps. Why did it stand for infinity? Because it understood that it's a perishable skill. So it's about continuous practice. Well, why didn't they say infinity? They did, but they represented it with 10,000. Now you got some modern scientist, some, some pseudo-scientistic person doing performance scientism, and he took the number literally because he doesn't understand the history in the same way that somebody today is doing magic thought, but garbing it in the scientific field of psychology. They don't understand the history. So they can't see where they're repeating the same mistakes or they're misunderstanding something. So you continue on with your criticism and you say, okay, so forget it. I'm not going to ask you how much exposure do I need to the contagion before the contagion actually takes effect in me. I'm just going to allow that it happens, okay? Why is that spiritual? That's your next question. Why is that spiritual? I move in a centering geometric pattern, and it magically generates a centered. Body mind in me, so that my experience of the world and my organism, my phys- physicality, my psychology is all centered, centered to what? To where, I guess, the Hada. But why is using my hada as the center? Why is that spiritual? And you go on, all granted, it's spiritual. Go ahead and grant it. Okay, I don't, I don't understand why that's spiritual. It looks pretty physical to me. It looks pretty much brain-body stuff. Where and when can I use this? That's the question. The founder's religiosity was everywhere, all times, everywhere. I mean, this centeredness, and this is just one example of the New Age spirituality in Aikido centeredness, do you see? Another one is mindfulness, do you get it? It, it has the same problems. Centeredness. So they say, look, you don't have, you're not bouncing back between the bipolarism of anxiety and depression. Do you understand? Because you're centered. What and where and to what degree can I maintain this centeredness? Because nothing in the contagion theory talks about the quality of that centeredness, meaning what's its tensile strength? What's its performance envelope? Does it go everywhere all times, like Oensei's spirituality? And again, you can test it just like you can throw the untrained uke in the street, and you can see for yourself how injurious throwing anybody from a standing position is or is not. You can put people in decentering environments and see if they remain centered. Workplace arguments. Marital problems. Parent-child problems. Being the victim of a real-world assault. What do you see when you do that? Just like what do you see when you throw the uke, who's untrained, out on the concrete? There is no quality to it. The person bounces back and forth. Keep your theory, keep your critical theory going. Why is there no quality to it? Because this idea of centeredness, do you see, that they have, it's material. It's not spiritual, they just say it's spiritual. It's material. The centeredness in the architectural geometry of the techniques is material. The centeredness of your hada in your understanding of the hada here is equally material. It is why the modern Aikidoka can understand it because he or she is a materialist. So this makes sense to them. And it's that relationship between what is material and what makes sense that tells you it, this is only functioning at the level of the intellect. And when we experience traumatic environments... The first thing to go is your intellect. Again, the pre-modern practitioner understood that. You will not have access to your intellect. You can use modern science to point that out. Your frontal lobe is going to shut down. You're going to have huge hormonal dumps and types of adrenaline. And older, less evolved parts of your brain are going to take over. You will not be able to say, stay centered, stay centered, stay centered. You're not going to be able to do that. So pre-modern religiosity does not aim at um, a utilization of the intellect because the intellect does not survive the environments where we would need something like centering most. Would an intellectually generated centering help you in minor points of contention or minor conflicts that you might find yourself in? Yes, because you can still in those situations activate your intellect. But that's not where you really need it most. Even again, small scale things can take you over. Please don't, don't, you don't have to imagine you're a law enforcement officer and there's an active shooter and you're heading upstream, meaning you are running uh, with your uh, weapon against the stream of people who are trying to f- get safe. You're running over there. You're the one who's running into that gunfight. You're the one. Whose uh, kids don't matter at that point, your spouse doesn't matter, your friends don't matter, you're the one running up that stream. You don't need as intense a situation as that before your intellect stops functioning. You could just be tired one day. You ate poorly, you slept poorly, your mind determined your experience of the world, so your mind allowed you to experience more conflict at the workplace. And now you come home, and it was that fucking bitch's turn to do the dishes and there's fucking dishes still in the sink. And now I got to do them. Do you see? And she don't fucking care about me. That's why she fucking does this. And what kind of fucked up relationship am I in when I'm with someone who doesn't give a shit about me? Do you hear all the egocentrism going? Do you hear? see the victim mentality? Do you, do you see the entitlement there? Same entitlement that just listens to hours and hours of podcasts. We can't donate a dollar or five dollars a month. What What was the great ordeal? Dishes in the sink. You see, had you slept? Had you eaten right? Had work on perfectly for your current mind? you probably could go, bit no big deal. And, oh, calm down. Use my intellect and recenter myself. Do you see? Stay rational and don't make a big deal out of the dishes because the dishes are not a big deal. But that's not what happens in real life. In real life, that mind that, remember, we first... Acknowledged pre-modern religiosity, the mind influences reality. It doesn't go the other way around. Using that, that's exactly what happens. My mind now experiences the dishes in the sink as, as if I'm swimming upstream on an active shooter call. The dishes became indicative and equal to I am in a pitiful existence Because I am in a pitiful and abusive relationship with someone who does not love me. Now I have no love in my life. What? All that from dishes? From plasticware? Are you kidding me? Do you see? But that's what happens. So, we had um, an article that was shared with me. And I would say this person trains in contemporary Aikido. Again, man, do your thing. You're the, you, you, you tuned in. Do you get it? Like, listener, I didn't go seek you out. In fact, you were warned. Federite, don't fucking come by me. I'm just going to rub you wrong. You should not come by me. Keep to your Federite ways. The, the information is for people that are questioning things. What I would call seekers. If you found your shit, stay with it. Same thing here in the dojo, right? I didn't go recruit you. There's nothing here for you. There's no rank or title here. You can't go. I w- I was uh, Valdez Sensei Deshi, uh, pay me for seminars. Yeah, <laughs> you can't even teach my stuff in a seminar. Pay attention, right? How crazy is that? You're gonna show up for an hour class, two hours, three hours, right? <laughs> Uh, You maybe touch my hand, maybe, and you're going to get what I'm, no. Can you do that in external materials? Yes, you can. In fact, you don't even need the seminar. Get the video. You can slow it down and repeat it. It is a much better way of training. But you can't get the internal aspects in a seminar. You can't get the true spiritual aspects in a seminar. You can't truly learn how to reconcile yin and yang in a seminar. Nor in a video. So, it's, it's fine with me. It's not fine for my deshi. Meaning, of course, you can do it and you do do it, don't you? Right? You do, you do. You bring in, in other words, even in this... Hall, you bring in new age spirituality. You bring it in which is why we're talking about it. Why do you bring it in? Because you're part of this larger American discursive imperialism that is happening and that has moved that is moving the world to secular materialism and scientism. You see? And part of that movement is this pseudo-spirituality. So that's why we're talking about it and why are we talking about it? Because you do bring it in. Which means you are allowed to. Do you see? But as part of your training, you need to get past it. okay? And not only my deshi, as part of their training, need to get past it. You listener who doesn't show up here ever, and you just watch videos, and you don't even give a dollar or five dollars a month. Yeah, do your, do your thing, man. So a person doing their thing, which I would call contemporary Aikido, shared an article that's very similar to what we're talking about. And I would say that this is a very, very sophisticated form of uh, New Age spirituality brought into Aikido. Like this is the best, okay? Meaning this person has thought, a lot about it just not enough to see through all the things that we've mentioned this far okay so this is this is top top shelf stuff okay and it it, i can't appreciate it for that this person is thinking okay we're just using it as an example we're not i'm not here to criticize this okay just in the same way like if i watch a video of a a law enforcement call, and it didn't go exactly right. I am going to use it to further my understanding of what I want to do. I am not condemning the individual personalities in that call. That's not what I'm doing, okay? So it's not Monday morning quarterbacking. I am continuing to study my craft, okay? Likewise here. Ten ways centering in Aikido helps you grow. Centering is the core transformational practice of Aikido. It is the foundational principle in Aikido upon which all other principles rest. Again, I would disagree. Aikido is a budo. Budo is an extension of Buddhist thought. And the core principle in Buddhist thought is the doctrine of no self. But you see, the, the cultural shift has been happening. But let's go on. Not only is centering a linchpin practice, but it is also the principle that when developed will have the biggest impact on your life. In this blog post, I will lay out 10 ways centering in Aikido helps you grow. Number one, embodying mindfulness. There, that, there's that other term. Remember, we mentioned it. That's another part of New Age spirituality. The spiritual teacher Gurdjieff said, life is real only then when I am. Now, this is interesting, do you see? This is how cultural shifts work. Because Gurdjieff was outright a mystic, very much akin to Sensei. Gertrudev is not a person of New Age spirituality and Gertrudev, in fact, was very critical of the religiosity that was happening in his time period because that religiosity was already moving towards this secular materialism. You see, it happened in the churches. It didn't happen from outside the churches and then aimed at the churches. It originated in the churches and what Gertrudev said is, man, you've taken away all the mysticism, You're all intellectual jargonites. Do you see? And so his movement was a call back to a mysticism very much practiced by Osensei. So interesting that he's here used in this sense. So the spiritual teacher Gertrude said, Life is real only then when I am. So I am is what Yahweh says identifies himself in the act of Genesis, I am. Uh, you see that phrase used also in some um, uh, Indian Hindu mystics, I am. The question is I am. Always go with I am. Okay? So clearly he is a mystic, not a New Age spiritualist. This statement reflects the psychological truth that higher human... There's that reference to a scientific field, you see. The psychological truth that higher human development only happens when you're authentically present in the here and now with total mindfulness. What is mindfulness, okay? Again, if you know the religious history, mindfulness is the first step in meditative practices that the master will have these disciple do. Why? Mindfulness is a technique that you use because the disciple comes in with a mind that is unconsciously attaching to particular things. And so the master will give the disciple a particular thing to focus their mental processes on. And what will happen to that mind, referred to commonly as the monkey mind in Zen, is the monkey mind will go off of, let's say, the object. Let's say it's a little statue. And will go off of the statue and it will travel wherever. And the master told the disciple... Keep your fucking mind on the goddamn statue. And so when your monkey mind goes somewhere else and you pull it back onto the statue, you are developing the skill of detaching the fettered mind. That is the main point of mindfulness training. And how are you doing that? By using the diseased mind itself to cure the diseased mind. So you take the prone-to-attaching mind that went off something, some non-statue idea or thing, do you see? And it's going to get stuck again. And now you put that stuckable mind or stickable mind back on the statue. Do you see that? But what is the skill you're actually looking for is not the filling of your mind. It already does that. You're looking for the detachability of the mind. Do you see? That is what it is. So you're not looking for mindfulness. You're actually looking for emptying mind or releasing mind. Not, don't fill your mind with shit. You'll, don't with anything. Your mind already does that. That's the diseased mind. Do you see? Why, do, why are they interested in detaching the fillable or the filling mind? Because the mind experiences the world you get that? So if I am going to in my mastery and you are the disciple if I am going to want you to learn that your experience of the world is actually a delusion do you see do you get that? That your experience of the world if you experience the world as hostile and I'm going to tell you that it is a delusion that's not actually true you first have to be able to detach your mind. That's it's not mindfulness. It's mind-detaching training. Some of the places where this has been noted is in, like, for example, the, the ten ox-herding pictures from Buddhism, from Chan Buddhism, or the ten uh, horse uh, pictures from Taoism. What, what is the first thing you have to do? Tie that fucking ox up. Tie that horse up. Do you see? That's what you have to do. And so that horse can't go wherever it wants to go. Which means it's going somewhere now, which is recognizing that your mind is generating reality all the time. But if we don't know the history, it sounds like a good idea. Again, you could go with the same critical mind. Why is mindfulness spiritual? Why is filling myself up with a particular idea or a particular object such that that is the only thing in my mind right now, why is that spiritual? Is that not what a sniper assassin does? Focuses in on that target. There's no other aspect to the here and now. It's just that. Or what about a torturer? Can I not be mindful while I'm torturing someone? I mean the here and now of torturing this person. There is nothing spiritual to mindfulness. It is just the... The, the mechanics of the diseased mind. Okay. How did it get into new age spirituality? Dabblers. If you trace the history of the mindfulness movement, you're going to see a bunch of Zen dabblers. They started the practice. What do you start with the practice? You came in with monkey mind. Dude, we're going to tie a string around that monkey and put a stake in the ground. That's what the Zen teacher did. The Zen teacher has been doing that for centuries. There's no point in going into no-self, you, you're, you're totally a monkey mind. So you hang out in Zen for a while, and you know what? You'll start to feel better because it does not feel physically well. It does not feel psychologically well to have a monkey mind. So you get a kind of rip a novice effect, do you see? So you start to feel good. Just like you, 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 you're a couch potato and you start to lift. You're going to get some mad gains at first, but it's because you were a couch potato at first. So you're a monkey mind person, meaning your mind is going from attachment to attachment because it is fear-driven, because it is the ego tripartite functioning without restraint. Now the master tells you, bring some restraint. You're going to go, whew, oh God, I feel a lot better. But you're in a culture now that goes, that, that's validity, man. If you feel better, if you feel pleasure, that's got to be truth because it's your pleasure. And so now, when the training and the master goes, now we're moving past this. And you're going to go clean the toilets. And you're going to sleep on this raw, this, this barely anything mattress. That's kind of a joke on this wood floor, and you're going to wake up at 4 a.m., do you see? And you're going to be in a strict senpai-kohai relationship, and you're going to work and work and work. Then you're like, I'm out because that don't feel good, so there's no way that could be true. I'm out, I'm going to stick with this mindfulness, and I'm going to make it for all these people that are like me. And I'm going to make a bigger deal out of it than I'm not. And if you go, and you go deeper, deeper down, deeper, deeper down, what are you going to find? You're going to come back to the archetypical problem of you got a bunch of males who had not, who did not have the thunder god for a father, or if they did, they did not reconcile the thunder god. That's who moved away from Judeo-Christianity and the thunder god. So now they're going to do this psychological thing. Do you see? They don't have to. They don't have to get along with dad, or be, uh, or they had the dad who was the choreographed duke. Do you see? And always yin to them. So they don't have the skill of reconciling. It's all crazy stuff. Mindfulness is not spiritual. In short, mindfulness automatically triggers your developmental process to unfold. If mindfulness is the core practice for being present in the mind, then the core practice for being present in the body is centering. Well, that's a jump in logic. Do you understand that? That's a circular argument. Again, if you're critical, you would go, wait, why is it centering? Mindfulness, if mindfulness can be on a statue... Do you see? And then on another statue, or another statue, or on a candle flame, or it could be in a sniper's a scope, or it could be in a torturer's torture. Why does the center have to be the locale of my mindfulness? Why can't it be my elbow tip? Why can't it be my left index finger? Why can't it be my, my Uke's name tag? You know what I'm saying? It's not... This is a jump that is in your center. Again, if you ask why, how, you're going to go... This makes no sense. When you practice centering, you are turning into what is happening in your body and the space around you. Well, I could see that if you... If you're saying, put your mind in the hada, but you could have put it anywhere, do you see? Put your mind in the hada, that is, again, I'm using the the, the diseased mind propensity to become fettered and attached to something. I'm using that, and in this case, instead of a statue, I'm using my hada. Do, Do you see that? So it's a kind of mindfulness practice, but it's not restricted to the hada. It could be, mindfulness could be on any part of the body. This gives you a greater capacity to show up fully in the body and in turn express yourself authentically in the world. Again, another jump in logic. But to the secular materialist, it kind of makes sense, right? Why does it make sense? Because I don't know. I don't know what pre-modern religiosity was. Ultimately, there's an ignorance there. I don't know what fighting is. I just joined... Aikido. And the only concept I have of fighting is the one they're telling me. So that's how you buy that Kihon is self-defense techniques and they're non-injurious. Do you see? Is a, but if you ever fought, if you had any other, anything other than an ignorance of what is fighting, you go, dad, you're, you're talking out your ass, man. You see that. So same thing here. Why, what what is allowing for this new age spirituality to get such a grip on contemporary Aikido is they don't know pre-modern religiosity. Just like they don't know the internal aspects and that's what allows them to say non-contestation is done externally just get out of the way getting out of the way is something is still dichotomous allowing something to pass through you is communion it's non-dichotomous you can only have non-contestation internally You can only reconcile yin and yang internally. But if you don't know how to do that, you fill it in with something that makes no sense. So as you come into the dojo with your New Age spirituality, this is something you have to think about. You you yourself have to keep asking why, why, how, 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 why. Okay, I'll allow that. Now how? What does that do? Do you see? As you yourself continually study the history and the culture that got you here, and that you're not buying it hook, line, and sinker, that is where all those recommended readings come from, and all the writings and everything that you you have to take advantage of it. So many of you have not yet read Hippie Jesus. Do you see? You got some work to do. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit sentientcenter.com S-E-N-S-H-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R dot com or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.